Sophie Hardy and the Battle of the Myriad by M. R. Dale. Narrated by Leona Hall. Chapter 31. Download complete. As the cheering continued, Sophie walked back towards Yasmin, Kingsley and the rest of the Scope group. They were all smiling and could see that Sophie was delighted with what was going on as well. Before Sophie could start talking to them, Echidna said, Sophie, you are welcome here any time you wish. We are in a great debt to you and your friends. We consider you strong allies in the world of Meliora and the people of the Myriad, and we would welcome your input in the future. Feel free to zone in or out of here whenever you like. We have had our chief sorcerer, Dewin, adapt the spell that hides this place to allow you to do so. A man with fiery red hair bowed, and Sophie nodded in acknowledgement of Dewin. Sophie could then feel the sense of pride and excitement growing inside her as Echidna continued. Give us your trust and your friendship and your cooperation, and we will educate you in our ways, as I believe you have always wanted. Wanting to scream at the top of her voice, Sophie kept a lid on her exhilaration and simply replied with, Thank you. Yasmin overheard what was being said and jumped in with a question of her own. Can you tell me more about my dad, please? We will make that our top priority, Yasmin. I have heard what Botto told you, and we will get as many of our kind on it as soon as possible. Yasmin was relieved, but also confused. Who's Botto? The Encantado, Echidna replied. He was a lost soul with links to the underworld. We have redeemed characters like him before. Echidna looked over at Lichen, who stood up straight and proud, but we fear he may be too far gone. Sophie and Yasmin felt weird that they had never taken the time in the last week and a half to even find out the name of the creature they were mistreating. It also reaffirmed to Yasmin that if Clara had just asked nicely in the first place, then Botto may have been more forthcoming. Perhaps it was something to try now that the Encantado was back in Zatvor, but properly this time. However, the girls feared that Echidna may have been right, and there was to be no coming back for Botto. Before any more praise could be bestowed upon Sophie, a red light appeared in the corner of all their eyes. They all opened it, and it simply read, Ready. What does that mean? Manita asked. Something someone has been waiting for for quite a while, Sophie replied, feeling like a weight had been lifted. I think it best you stay here and help us rebuild after your de-aging, Echidna said, aiming it at Manita. Sophie could see that Echidna wasn't making a request, but was issuing an order, and fortunately, so could everyone else. If Manita was going to earn the trust of the mythicals like Sophie and the others, then she was going to have to work for it. Manita nodded in agreement, and she held out a hand for Echidna to shake by way of the first step of an apology. Echidna seemed to understand that Manita had been lied to by King, and that she was just a child who hadn't been told any better. Are you okay with that? Sophie asked Manita. She nodded, and Kingsley helped with the reassurance. I will stay to make sure she settles in okay. Thank you, Sophie replied, and thank you for everything else. You've literally shown us a whole new world, and you've only been with us a week. You can definitely stay, she laughed. Sophie stepped forward to hug Kingsley, who hugged her back tightly. I do, though, have one more request, Sophie said to Kingsley. What is it? Kingsley asked. Could you open a portal back to scope for us? Sophie smiled. Kingsley nodded and immediately created the doorway. Are you sure you want to try this? He asked. Got to at some point, Sophie replied. Until the next crisis, Sophie said. I hope not, Kingsley replied. I have a feeling that you're going to be here a lot. Sophie smiled and nodded, and Yasmin stepped forward for her hug before going to leave. Sophie and Yasmin both acknowledged Echidna, who had begun to tend to her troops again not batting an eyelid at the fact that she had just had her nemesis devoured by a kraken and her husband killed by an army of child clones. Weirdly, Sophie found herself admiring that quality 
and felt that using some mindset like that might help her get over this sinking stomach feeling. The pair closed their eyes and stepped through the portal. They made it back to Scope Control Room with no difficulty, and Kingsley almost danced on the spot because he was so pleased with himself. Portaling avatars was yet another ability he could add to his skill set. On the other side, Sophie and Yasmin were greeted by Miss Sissons and Clara, both in the control room in complete silence. Miss Sissons was leaning against the computer tables, while Clara was sat, looking very apprehensive, at the table staring straight forwards. Lizzie was nowhere to be seen, though. "'Where's Lizzie?' Sophie asked. "'I convinced her to go home. Your mum is out, and so she happily went and sat in your living room watching the television with your nan. Something about not having to listen to any shouting,' Miss Sissons replied. "'But she has an implant. Why doesn't she just use that to watch television?' Yasmin asked. Sophie smiled to herself. Lizzie was going to do it her way, and no one else's. It might seem weird to everyone that Lizzie would watch the television, and not her implant, but not to Sophie. That was just what Lizzie wanted to do, and nothing was going to change that. Having cleared up where Lizzie had gone to, Miss Sisson spoke to Clara. Ready now? It sounded like she had asked the question a few times already. Clara continued to stare into space, so Sophie and Yasmin went and sat either side of her and tried to hold her hands, which were sat clasped on the table in front of her. Clara immediately pulled back, but Sophie and Yasmin weren't offended. They could see she was just nervous. Think so, Clara eventually replied, after taking a very deep breath and not breaking eye contact with the far wall. You do understand that these are just copies of your mum and dad, don't you? And it will take a while for their memories to completely sync up, especially the more recent ones, Miss Sissons asked. Your actual human parents vanished because of the departure ten years ago. How does that work? Yasmin asked. Before they were... Miss Sisson struggled for the right words. Taken. These copies were digitally uploaded to the system that Mr King took. They will be your parents' avatars, not your real parents, and they won't quite be themselves straight away. You can say that they died in the incident if you want to, Clara said, very nonchalantly. Miss Sisson shuffled uncomfortably when she heard a child talking about such a dark subject in a direct way like some adults do, but regained her composure and carried on. OK, ten years ago, your parents died in the departure that I thought I caused, but actually Mr King did. Before they died, though, their digital avatars, quite like the ones that you are in now, were saved on that drive that Mr King took. And that's who you were ignoring the messages from for all that time? Sophie asked. Correct, Miss Sissons replied. I couldn't look at them or talk to them thinking that I had killed their real-life counterparts. Isn't Mr Sissons one of them? Yasmin asked. Miss Sissons nodded and simply said... I have a promise to keep to two old friends first, so I'm going to fulfil it before I look after myself. Anyway, I want to get my real self back to full health before I reintroduce myself to my husband. I've aged ten years or more. Can't have him seeing me like that. Avatar, Miss Sissons replied, pointing to the human version of her that was still strewn, looking malnourished on one of the chairs round the table, although she now seemed a lot more comfortable than she had been earlier. How's she doing? Sophie asked Avatar, Miss Sissons. I'm fine, Soph. Don't worry. In a few weeks, I'll be back to being two fully healthy people. Does Scope keep a copy of everybody? Yasmin asked, studying this new information she was finding out. Oh, no, Miss Sissons replied. That would be morally reprehensible. We'd be bringing people back from the dead all the time. Can we crack on before I change my mind? Clara interrupted, now getting very impatient at the new direction the conversation had taken. All three of them laughed at Clara's bluntness, and Miss Sissons went to press the keyboard. You know there will only be soft light for now. Hard light wasn't invented before they went away, but I can upgrade them very soon. 
Miss Sisson said, stopping as she went to press the key. Press it! Clara shouted. Miss Sisson smiled and finally pressed the key. Appearing instantaneously in front of them were two people who looked about 25, a tall man and a woman who looked remarkably like Clara, but slightly older. Sophie and Yasmin sat back in their chairs in disbelief at what they could see, whereas Clara leaned forward to better study the two people in front of her. The woman had shoulder-length black hair, fierce dark brown eyes. She was quite short and had a few freckles on her face, as well as a nose piercing on the right side. The man had a parting in the centre of his head and his hair flapped slightly as he took in his surroundings. His eyes were also brown, but he stood a good foot taller than the woman and his hair was even blacker than Clara's. The pair went to look round the room, but the woman stopped when she caught sight of Clara. She tried to grab the man by the arm but missed and so instead pointed over at Clara. The man took a second to notice what she was pointing at, but when he did, his hand shot up to his mouth. Clara, the woman said, with the biggest sense of relief Sophie had ever heard. The woman caught Miss Sissons out of the corner of her eye and just mouthed, Thank you. Miss Sissons nodded and Sophie watched as Clara pushed the chair back and stood up but didn't actually move other than that. Sophie just assumed Clara was in shock. Clara, this is your mum and dad, Samantha and Adam, Miss Sissons said, not moving from her position near the table. Samantha and Adam both ran to Clara so Sophie and Yasmin stood up to get out of the way. Before they got to her, Clara put her hand up to get them to stop. Clara couldn't bring herself to look them in the eye and so stared at the floor as her parents stopped running towards her. You, you can't touch me. Looking horribly confused, Samantha turned to Miss Sissons. Why? What does she mean? Just that you're avatars, and so is she. You will be able to hug her in time. Samantha stepped forward towards Clara and stroked her face as if she could touch it, and Clara looked up at her. Hello, angel, Samantha said. Clara said nothing and just closed her eyes. Sophie could see her bottom lip was trembling and so stepped forward and put her hand on Clara's shoulder and addressed her parents. Hi, I'm Sophie, Clara's cousin. Hi Sophie, really nice to meet you, Adam began, but then changed the subject completely, catching Sophie unaware and making her feel like she wasn't there. What do you mean, in time? There's a lot to tell you, Miss Sissons replied, shuffling uncomfortably. Too right, Adam snapped back. Not now, Adam. Samantha interjected. We have our daughter back. Adam gave one last stare of confusion to Miss Sissons before looking back at his daughter with affection-filled eyes. Sophie took the opportunity to walk over to Miss Sissons and whispered out of earshot of Samantha and Adam. What don't they know? They don't know anything from when they were uploaded, Miss Sissons replied. They don't know their... Sophie struggled to finish the sentence that Clara had had relatively little trouble with. No, they have no idea. Miss Sissons replied through gritted teeth. Their memories won't be fully downloaded yet. Aren't they fame-hungry and want to go public with Shadow's operation? Yasmin then asked, appearing to the other side of Miss Sissons. They were. Whether they will be when I tell them the truth, I have no idea. We can always just turn them off if they become a problem, Miss Sissons replied, half-joking. Sophie and Yasmin both shot her a look. You'd be like a god, turning people on and off at will, Sophie said, not liking what she was saying. Nobody should have that power, Yasmin added. Miss Sisson shrugged as if there was nothing else she could do. Look at the good I can do with this, she said, as she looked upon Samantha and Adam and the joy they were both now feeling. Just be careful, Sophie advised. Look at what the power did to King, keeping all those people locked up under his own control. Don't worry about it, Soph. I'm not one for controlling lives like that, Miss Sisson said, trying to reassure her. Anyway, remember... Any agents that come back might want to run this place differently to you, and I don't want that. 
Scope is yours now, and shadow is no more. There is no rush to bring anyone else back. Resurrecting the dead, endangering this agency and the mythical's way of life, ruining what you're building here. I'm in no rush at all. Sophie and Yasmin looked unsurely at her before going back to Samantha, Adam and Clara, who were now sat round the scope table not chatting. Clara was staring at the table, while her mum and dad looked at her still in disbelief. At that point, a red light went off in Sophie's eye. A new message from Lizzie flashed up. Dear Sophie, get home quickly, from Lizzie. Sophie took Yasmin to one side and whispered, I have to go, something at home. Want me to come? Yasmin asked. Sophie thought for a moment. No, you stay here and keep a close eye on Miss Sissons. I don't like the sound of anyone having so much control over the lives of others like that, she whispered, not wanting Miss Sissons, who had gone back to typing on the computer to hear. You trust her though? Yasmin asked. Of course, but anyone with that much power should have someone watching over their shoulder, Sophie replied. Get into the system and find the names of some of those agents that we could potentially have coming back and anything that Miss Sissons might not want them to know. It will be a huge shock to Samantha and Adam when they realise they're dead. They might do something stupid. Yasmin nodded in agreement and bid farewell to Sophie. Sophie then went to say goodbye to Clara and her mum and dad. It was nice to meet you, Sophie said pleasantly. Yes, thank you. Sophia, wasn't it? Samantha replied, not really looking at Sophie. Clara laughed at her mum's mistake, but Sophie looked a bit more put out. Sophie, actually, but it doesn't matter. OK, well, see you then, Adam said, also not even looking at Sophie. It was almost like she was invisible to them. Sophie didn't like the manner that Clara's mum and dad were taking with someone who was supposed to be very close to their daughter and had played a huge part in looking after her over the ten years they had been gone, but there was nothing she could do about that now. She just hoped that it wouldn't last very long as it wasn't a nice feeling. Furrowing her brow, the more she thought about it, Samantha and Adam seemed to be nothing like Clara other than in appearance. They were rude and brash, and yes, Clara tended to be blunt, but she wasn't rude. Adding to her list of worries, Sophie zoned back home wondering what mess her mum had left this time. The Sophie Hardy Saga was written and produced by Emma Dale, and narrated and produced by Leona Hall. If you enjoyed it and would like to continue to follow the adventures of Sophie and her friends in coming episodes, then please subscribe through one of the many podcast providers out there. The links for each of these can be found on our website. If you require more information, visit our many social media channels, or if you would like to purchase a copy of the book, then be sure to check out our website, www.sophiehardysaga.com. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy. Ha <laughs>